Bulls Gold is delivered to you via the Barroom Network, now in its seventh year of providing podcasts about Chicago sports, movies, and more. Make sure to subscribe to the Barroom Network for free and easy downloads of its programming. And visit its merchandising store at deepdishtees.com to purchase t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs. Now, on with the show. To Bulls Gold on the Barroom Network. I'm Salim Sutterwala, and as always, I'm joined by Edward Schill Jr. How are you doing today, my man? I'm good. We are we're back in action, man. We got Bulls basketball to actually to actual actually cover now. So uh, it, it feels good. Basketball is back. Um, pretty much all of the major sports are back in action right now. But uh, just knowing that we are merely what like a few weeks from the start of the regular season where I believe ten of the bull ten of the Bulls first fifteen games will be at home, which I mean which will be fantastic. Uh to potentially get off to a hot hot start. Um it's just nothing short of amazing. So yeah, I, I'm I'm excited basketball is back, man. How about you? Yeah, same. I'll finally get some actual game content as opposed to trying to predict if <laughs> Uh, how Carter and and Craig will fit in? Will they will they raise the floor or like what would what would Kobe and Pat you know how how they could raise the ceiling and all the speculations on the Zach Levine trades that's that's been maddening too. So it's it's good to see a game actually, and obviously uh, the Bulls trying to do a little bit of new stuff, which we'll get into. But yeah, it's been good to see all that for sure. Instead of like you said, you know, trying to um, Kind of just get, do do doing some like guesswork, right, right, right. Yeah, so we're we it's still preseason. We they they played Milwaukee. Milwaukee didn't have their their top players out there, but we all sat and watched as much as we could take of uh, preseason basketball. And uh, yeah, I, I think there's a there's a decent amount of things that we have to talk about from this game that I think could potentially be important for the regular season. So yeah, we we got a lot to get into. Yeah, 100%. Like I said, you know, the, the Billy's trying to do some new things with the offense. We saw some good stuff from Kobe and Pat. Uh, just a, a lot of conversation to get into about game one in general. And Joe is going to be one of our favorite guests. Uh, he covers the Chicago Bulls for CHGO. Uh, he goes by Will the Go Gottlieb. Uh, Will, how's it going? Thank you for joining us, man. Thank you guys for having me on. Great intro. I... I always want to like clarify that I do not ask people to call me the goat. It happens to me. Um, just I'm not the self-proclaimed goat, but it does. It's a good, good nickname. Works well with my last name. And uh, the best. guys on the show certainly have fun with it. So, I, I mean, I yeah, dig, I, thank I, you guys for having me on. I dig it. I mean, it's kind of like a like you know when in wrestling they all have like the nicknames and stuff like that. So it, it kind of gives that vibe where, you know, you're, you're really feeling yourself like you're on a different level now. So now, now you're Will the Goat Gottlieb. Like. Yeah. I, I got Joey's been doing a good job with the different audios. Like he used to have the goat, like the, like the goat making the goat noise. Um, and now it's like that new, that clip was it? Like that guy saying, yeah. so that, that's a fun little add in there too. So it's, it's definitely, uh, I feel like it's a good, uh, it's a good little mixture in there. Right. Right. Joey, Joey's the real guy. I think we can all agree. Yeah, he is. He, he does a great job there. Uh, we, we had him on not long ago and, uh, we, we had to let him get in some takes. I know, I know he gets in some takes there, here and there. You guys give him. A little bit of an epic, but uh, it was good to get him on. But let's get into uh, game one stuff. Uh, first off, obviously, the big conversation has been around the Bulls' offense last season. They were ranked like what twenty seventh or twenty fourth? I can't remember the top of my head. Twenty fourth. Uh, they've been twenty fourth. That's right. Uh, and they've just been generally really poor. Even though it's been basically been about 
lack of volume for them because you look at their efficiency as far as like free throw percentage, their like actual shooting percentage, even the three point percentage. Like that is all that's pretty efficient, but the volume has just been very low, and that's really what ends up killing them. And obviously, other little things like not being able to get on the offensive glass. But Billy coming into this offseason or this uh, preseason training camp, if you will, has been really dedicated in talking about the importance of wanting to change up what they do offensively. Um, in your conversations with him, Will, and the things that you've talked to him about uh, and or seen him talk about, uh, what, what have you gotten from him as far as like trying to emphasize the change and how he wants to really approach that? Yeah, it's a tricky question, I think, for Billy, because so much of offense in the NBA is personnel driven. And the Bulls are not a team that has a lot of high volume three point shooters. They're not a team that has a lot of guys who really move well off the ball. They don't have a real uh, vertical spacing lob threat. Um, And so they kind of have to make do with guys that are efficient, but are efficient in the mid range area. and guys who really kind of dominate the ball and uh, pound the ball and run a lot of pick and roll in isolation. So that I think in and of itself uh, comes with some challenges. And I know a lot of people are not the biggest Billy Donovan fan, but I think all things considered with the roster that he has to work with, I think he does a really good job. And to your point and to your question, what they've been emphasizing in Nashville and training camp uh, yesterday at the game in Milwaukee was, you know, we do not shoot enough threes. We we understand, we recognize this, and we have to shoot more. But I think more than just volume, it's a matter of, like, how are we generating better offense in general? And the way that they want to do that is by collapsing the paint, driving more, because they feel that that will lead to kickouts for threes. They feel that it will lead to uh, foul opportunities for them to get to the free throw line uh, and just – higher percentage looks at the basket, right? So I think all of that sounds great um, and it's stuff that they need to work on, but it's like how you get there that I think is the big question, what we're going to have to monitor throughout the early part of the season, uh, which is like, what are we doing? What are they seeing um, in order to generate easier looks? So is that running some more off-ball action? Is it playing through Vooch more at the top of the key or at the high post and having guys cut off of him or running second side, you know, Kobe and Zach screening for one another actions to get open. Um, we saw some of that stuff in that first preseason game, but the the big three of Zach, Demar, and Vooch only played 17 minutes. So it's really hard to like fully understand what it is that they're working on. It looked really good in that first quarter. It did not look so good in the second quarter. So it's going to be a work in progress. And I think they all have the mentality of wanting to make it work and, and, at least right now, they're they're bought into the idea that they can, you know, make it work a different way. Uh, but I, I wonder, you know, if things start to not go so well, are they going to sort of go back to their old ways of heavy pick and roll, Demar isolation, basketball? So um, when you don't have a lot of change to a roster and you are really trying to like overhaul your entire offense. Um, it's, it's an interesting challenge, but I think they, they at least have the right recipe or at the very least they're saying, uh, the right things as far as what they want to do. And now it's just a matter of like, can they actually pull it off? So what would be, what would be in your mind, the biggest roadblock in terms of the bulls being able to not only change the shot profile as AK has talked about all off season long, but also sustain it because you you mentioned that they could fall back into bad habits and, and different things like that. So w- what do you think would be the biggest roadblock that you could see playing out during the regular season that would cause the team overall to fall back into those older ways of playing and put us really back at square one in terms of how this offense operates? That's a really good question. And it's one I've tried to ask Billy a few different ways now to try to really understand where he's coming from, because in all honesty, this is like the same thing that we heard from him last year, right? It was like, we need to play with more randomness. We can't be so DeMar dependent. We need to be more unpredictable. And 
they basically did the exact same thing last year as they did before. So what's going to be different now when you still don't have any major uh, additions to the roster, when you still have the same guys that are going to be dominating possessions a third times a charm, like DeMar said at the, uh, at the media day, who knows? But I think, you know, for me, the roadblocks are, there's, there's two big ones. One I think is just the shooting. It's kind of like they're, they're, they're talking about it as if it's a chicken or egg scenario, but I think in reality, it's not like they want to, um, they want to get downhill so that they can get more three pointers, um, which is great. But I think in order to get downhill, they need space. Uh, they need a, a team of shooters who can stretch the defense out to where they have driving lanes. And so like, if they haven't really addressed the three point shooting issue as far as like players go who need to be respected as shooters who are commanding attention from the defense, then are those driving lanes really going to be there? Um, and if you can't get to those driving lanes, then does the whole thing kind of fall apart? So this idea of like, like I said, chicken or the egg with does the shooting allow for the driving or does the driving create more shooting opportunities? I think it's a little bit of both, but I think in order to get downhill, ultimately you need guys that can stretch out the defense. So I think that's a big one. Uh, Javon Carter certainly helps in that regard. I think playing Kobe Whitemore helps in that regard. I think Patrick Williams taking more three helps, but uh, it's not like they just added Steph Curry. So, you know, there's not like any new super high volume, high efficiency three point guys. And then I think the real one, the, the sort of intangible um, roadblock, so to speak, is just like the level of buy-in. Like are guys really willing to make the sacrifices they need to make to, you know, relinquish touches, to move the ball, to move more off the ball, to expend energy moving and cutting off of screens. Um, are they willing to really buy into that to the level that they need to in order for this thing to work? Because if not all of them are really bought in or if, you know, somebody gives up on it, like the whole thing's going to fall apart because they still do have a lot of non-shooters. So if Zach and Kobe stop running around, that's going to bog things down again. And then you're going to need to give it to Zach or Damar to, to bail you out of a possession. So I think it's just like the, the mental element of like really committing to it. Um, and even when they get through or, or they face some level of adversity, which we know they will, do they stay committed to it? I think that's the big one um, on top of obviously just like pure three-point shooting talent, volume, efficiency. Well, that's the Bulls have enough connected passers now too, just because I think that's the biggest thing the Bulls, obviously the three-point shooting, but the biggest thing the Bulls miss from Monzo really in that in the offense is his connected passing. Um, I think like obviously AC is a solid connected passer, and then Vooch and Demar are really like our best passers in general. I just the other thing I wonder about like have have Cat and Kobe been able to take that next step in their processing to be able to move the ball quicker? Like, do you think that's going to be a big roadblock too? I do, um, and I think that all the comments that Vooch has made uh, in at media day and in training camp so far about wanting to be more of a hub, about playing through him at the high post a little bit more. I think they are trying to replicate some of what Lonzo brought. And obviously two very, very different players uh, probably right. could not be more different, but they both have strengths as guys that can make the extra pass quickly, guys that can help transition you from action one that's happening on the right side of the court to action two that's happening on the left side of the court. And so I think, you know, everything that everybody's saying is like, we recognize we need to find easier scoring avenues. We need to create some more stuff outside of the primary action where there's movement to generate at the very least some chaos to keep the defense honest. Um, and I think Vooch can be a guy that really helps, like I said, get that, get them from action one to action two. Um, and if they utilize him, I think he could be really useful there, but in general, yeah, I totally agree because you know, Lonzo was so good at that, not only because of like the the passing element, but he it's not like he was Chris Paul out there, like setting the table right. and serving guys up. Like he was really good at getting the ball into the position that needed to be in on the floor, relocating, spacing out, and being a shooting threat. And, and then if it broke down, then being the connective passer. And I think Vooch has the qualities of being able to do all that. Obviously, he's not going to be 
the defensive menace. He's not going to be kicking ahead, you know, transition passes and stuff like that. But like he can move the ball quickly. Um, he can space the floor. And I think if he is utilized the right way and it remains to be seen what exactly that looks like, I think he can give you some of that stuff, not to the same level, but I think that's kind of what at least they're hoping his role looks a little bit more like, but I mean, he's not going to play 82 games this year and he's certainly not going to play 48 minutes a game. So who else can do that? Who else can come in, whether it's on the second unit or in units that are your staggering guys and just Amar is out there, just Zach is out there. Who is the one that's really going to be connecting actions together? Um, I think that's a really good point. A really under, under rated, under talked about um, element of why the Bulls offense has struggled the last year. What did you what did you think of Kobe White's uh performance in this first preseason game? Uh when I watched it, it just seemed I, I really liked what I saw from Kobe in this in this game. Again, granted, disclaimer, you know, of who Milwaukee did not have in this game, but stylistically and just how he was playing, the passes he made, the type of shots he took the the speed and pace that he was playing at he looked really comfortable out there uh against Milwaukee and it, i i think when you when you think about how he was playing last season where it really started to click for him it was really starting to slow down then and you think about the comments in the off season that uh i think Mark Eversley made about Kobe and you know he's got this new deal now so he can he can kind of relax a little bit with like a long-term deal in place it it just seems like a lot of things have been coming together for him and I feel like he's really starting to inch much further into the idea of the player that we were hoping for when we drafted him years back but what what did you think about him in a preseason game because i i just thought he looked really really good and just like a completely different player especially from when he first started out when he like kind of just played really like so frantically i think but what what were your thoughts yeah i mean you, you nailed it um i don't know if there was like a certain point or if it was just a gradual thing but like at a certain point last year things just seemed to click for him um, he was a different player after the all-star break. And obviously it's like silly season in the NBA. Not all the teams are trying whatever. I mean, he was really good, um, scored the ball well, shot the ball well, but like he's a streaky shooter and scorer and I, he knows he needs to be more consistent, but it's like, okay, if you're not scoring, if you're not shooting the ball, well, what else are you giving me? And I think he got to a point last year where the facilitation really took a step forward where he was able to change pace uh, running pick and roll to where he could really get into the lane and make spray out passes um, and relocate and uh, become uh, like a, a floor spacer after a nice relocation pass. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he just kind of like figured some stuff out about the game, whether it was things slowing down for him, whether it was his ball handling, which he's talked a lot about uh, and being able to like utilize change of pace. Um, the shooting kind of came together he was understanding defensive rotations a little bit more. And it just felt like everything was kind of starting to click to where he really built up some confidence in his game. And I think he's certainly carrying that over into this season and just talking to him, like he's a really goofy dude. Like he's a, like, I don't mean this in like a, in a mean way at all, but like, he's just got like a childish sense of humor. Like he's just, got a ton of energy. He's cracking jokes. He's smiling. He's laughing. He's making fun of guys. He's like yelling in guys ears while they're like trying to do an interview or something like that. Like he's a, he's a goofy player, but like, he's also really developed as a leader. He's become like somebody that, you know, guys really take seriously in the locker room. And I think he's kind of found his voice in that way. So I I just feel like it's all kind of coming together for him and he's going to rebound. Well, he's always done that. He's going to push the pace. He's going to shoot it. Uh, but like the passing uh, and the defensive awareness, I think are really, it's just like, it's bringing a lot together for him. And, and I think allowing him to play, even though, even when the jump shot isn't necessarily falling. So I'm super high on Kobe this year. I think he's going to be really, really solid. I was a little surprised to hear, to hear he would be starting at first. They they were kind of tipping it throughout training camp and I was expecting it uh, down the stretch there, but like, 
originally I was, I was pretty much expecting Javon to be the guy that kind of slotted in in that Patrick Beverly role. What did, what did you guys think about that? Were you expecting Kobe to be the one or do you kind of imagine him more in a, you know, bench I, unit spark plug type of role? Yeah. I thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to be Carter for sure. Um, I, I thought that was part of the appeal of signing him is that they would get a veteran who could step in and be a more enhanced version, I think, of that Patrick Beverly role that worked so well for the team last season when they went 14 and nine uh, in those games that he played. So I was surprised that they went with Kobe, but when when you watch it, it, it was pretty you know clear why they went with him because he's looked he looked good like the even just the things that stood out to me like again just going back to the passing like you talked about he made some really nice passes uh kind of like in mid like kind of like in midair like just finding some open guys that just played at multiple speeds i i just really liked how he played like he seemed in command of what he was doing and seemed very sure of himself very confident and i, I just really like it just very poised so i i, I was surprised so um, it, it's going to be really interesting to see how this point guard battle really takes shape because Javon is very cap- a very capable two-way guy. And we know Kobe White, while he has made improvements on the defensive end, he's not quite what we would say is a two-way player yet. But his trajectory, like his trajectory is looking up right now. It's pointing up real big. So, yeah, I, I, I was definitely... uh surprised but it, it's looking like a good choice yeah you know i i last episode we had Lero on and we were talking about who we would see starting at point guard and something that billy mentioned obviously because we talked about billy wanting to uh, up the pace and and he's talked about wanting to get rim pressure to be able to kind of do kick out to get more threes in that aspect and I was thinking, like, you know, who does that really well as far as point guard is concerned? And that's Kobe, like, with his speed and his ability to get downhill, um, and especially in the open court. And I thought, you know, maybe if Kobe comes in this, this training camp and just kind of really shows that he's ready to take that next step, he might have a shot at starting point guard. Um, I don't know what will happen. Obviously, it's, it's very early, and... I think um, as as much as I am pro, and I've kind of been pro Kobe starting just because I think that to me, if he earns that starting spot, I, I'd feel more confident going into the season about this team because you see a young player taking his development step that only helps the Bulls as far as their ceiling is concerned. But something that can also, I, I didn't think about going into this game was something that your co-host Mark K pointed out, obviously, and I actually also saw in that second unit is like, you know, I don't really like what's coming out of the, off the bench with the, like that old thing was like an uh, AC Carter, Craig Drummond. And um, I can't remember who the other person was, I, uh, um, but it was, yeah, it was, that's right. And there was a creation there. So like, I, I, as far as Kobe starting, I wasn't totally surprised, but that part concerns me. It'll be interesting to see how the rotations shake out if Kobe does end up starting. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I can't imagine a world where like there's multiple minutes per game on a gamely basis where neither of Zach or Demar are on the court. Like you, they're they're probably going to stagger them. Um, I would imagine that would be the case. Definitely weird to not see that, but during the preseason, I'm kind of for it. Like, I, I want to see what happens when Patrick is the main guy out there. And I'm not saying, like, if Mark's listening to this, he's probably going to, like, come at me and say, <laughs> you know, Patrick hasn't earned it. And I agree. But also, like, who cares? It's it's the preseason. Let's see what he can do. Let's see if we can stretch him out and what it looks like in one of those scenarios. And I think there were some moments where it looked good, some moments where it did not look good. But it's one preseason game, and I don't think that that's – really killing you in either direction. So I like that the Bulls are at least considering the idea of putting Patrick in position where he's more of a creator, whether that happens during the regular season next to DeMar Zach, maybe as like a secondary creator, or maybe even just having Booch out there um, and letting Patrick be the ball handler, but at least allowing for another guy who can be a playmaker on the floor. Um, definitely was a little surprised to see that but that's uh, again when you have a team that's got like a 10 
man rotation, you've got to find ways to play all these guys. And I know it's preseason and, and it's probably not going to shake out this way throughout the whole year and guys are going to miss games and all of it. But um, I think Billy just wants to experiment with right now, what lineup, what, what combination of guys fits best with DeMar, Zach and Vooch. And I think he wanted to see Troy Craig with those guys. I think he wanted to see Kobe with those guys. So I think he wanted to see Pat and Kobe with those guys or Javon and Craig or whatever combination of it is. I think that's got to be the primary um, experiment going on because ultimately like you can talk about Kobe developing, you can talk about, you know, the defense or the offensive, whatever it is. Like at the end of the day, those three guys need to play better. And in order to do that, they need to have the right guys around them. Um, so I think that really has to be the, the primary focus at this point in the year. Yeah, I'm all for it. Yeah. I, I think you, I think you really benefit from experimenting right now, especially when you have like a few pieces in Carter and Craig who, you know, are, are going to play and you're still trying to figure out how they're going to mix. And I, I think even in Patrick Williams case, it, it, it's just a logical next step, I think, in his development to, to just give him more on his plate, especially when, and I, I haven't, I don't think there's been a whole lot of talk about it at least, but when you talk about like his next contract and what that looks like, I mean, surely you want to be able to to see that in action to really start to kind of with that contract like you really want to start to see him create more and be able to be relied on more like it it, it can't just be him sitting in a corner waiting for someone to open up something for him like we it's kind of getting about that time where we really want to see him become more of a playmaker more of a creator so i i think things like this are just really the next logical step absolutely and i think also like people get really either frustrated or excited about Pat based on whether or not he's shooting and scoring. And I think that's important as you're talking about, I'd like hundred percent agree with that. Mm-hmm. There's also a lot of stuff that he does well that I think he's going to get paid a good amount regardless, because yeah. there just aren't that many six, seven, six, eight big wings who can defend other big wings and shoot the three at a high level and get a steal and a block per game. Like that's just a really valuable player archetype and skill set that you can't really let go of. And then on top of that, he does have some room to grow. We don't know how much or what that actually looks like to this point because we haven't seen it, but he's 22. Like, I I don't think you're paying him for just, you're not just paying him for what he has done, right? Mm -hmm. You're paying him for what you hope he can become in addition. And so I think you have to get at least a sense of what that might look like. So you can try to pay him accordingly. Yeah, or maybe they just don't want to let him succeed so that they don't have to pay him as much. Yeah. That's an option. It, it, you know, keep the price of the brick down a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the, the, the preseason um, aggressiveness was nice to see. I mean, definitely if he if he keeps that up, uh, I mean, it kind of not the apples to apples comparison. And you made this comp too on CHGO, uh, but like the Jimmy. Uh, off season when he came into camp and was so aggressive and just was kind of showed that he probably taken that next step. It was a preseason game, like he hit that game winner against Atlanta, and he was just really going off. And everyone's like, "Oh, maybe Jimmy's ready to break out." And obviously, lo and behold, he had a he became the star. Um, that's kind of what you're kind of hoping with Pat, like. Obviously, the the Bulls at that point, I mean, at that point, Pat's going to be like, well, I'm not accepting, you know, I think the numbers kind of with the, we talk about with Pat's like five-year, 100, 120 million or something like that. Mm. Uh, he's probably going to not want to extend for that much. He would probably want more, probably want the max at that point if he knows that that's the type of player he's, he's capable of being. So, yeah, that that's the other part, like the the, the price tag for, for Pat, like, would you be surprised if an extension happens at this point? Or do you think you expect him to kind of just play out this season and go into next season as a restricted free agent? Yeah. I mean, if I'm Patrick, I, there's no way I'm signing a deal unless it's like an overpay. Right. Cause like, if you're like, he's not going to like camp DeMar to wake up at four o'clock in the morning to you know, work out for eight hours a day and lift twice and do all this stuff, like working on back to the basket game and mid-range pull-ups and all this stuff with DeMar DeRozan to be a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter in the corner with the Bulls. Like, I just don't think that's the player who he wants to be. And so unless they're, like, 
paying him accordingly. I don't see why he would want that. Um, this new like fifth year uh, non max rookie extension option uh, to, to now allow guys to, who are not getting a max rookie extension to get a fifth year definitely throws a wrinkle into things. Um, like Kobe only took three years. He could have gotten four. And I, I imagine he wanted the three so that he could get back on the market at age 26, 27 um, for another chance at a bigger payday, you know, probably when DeMar and Booch are like on their way out. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's just, there's so many options with this fifth year thing. Like would Patrick want a, a bigger three-year contract like Kobe uh, in order to try to get paid again? Would he want long-term security? If you give him a hundred million dollars over five years, is he really going to say no to that? Um, I think so much of it just depends on how he performs this year. And I could see him making himself a lot of money if he plays well. Um, and I can't really see him like losing that much money if he doesn't play well, because you're always still going to have in the back of your mind. Well, what does he look like in a more offense oriented role? What does he look like if, you know, he's not just standing in the corner, if he's not just playing off of DeMar and Zach. So if I'm him, I probably wouldn't sign an extension unless it was like a big number. Uh, but if I'm the bulls, like, I don't know, do you want to risk like him getting a restricted free agency and, another team throwing a huge, like teams are going to have money. What if somebody throws a max five-year contract at them? Like, are you going to be able to match that? Um, so it's, it's a little bit tricky, um, but I, I just don't see it happening now unless it's somehow a team-friendly deal. That's also a lot of money for Patrick. That's, that's just like, I, I feel like extensions don't usually get done unless it's one of those things. And it's hard. It's hard to be both. This, this might be a, a bad question, but, it, what role would DeMar DeRozan's free agency play in the the structure that the Bulls have in terms of like contracts? Uh, I know we're thinking like this is like all next year stuff, but like I, I always think it's interesting that, you know, we re, we we have Zach on this big deal. We re-sign Vooch. We have these veteran pieces that are signed for next year as well. And DeMar DeRozan is a big part of what this thing looks like. And if there is a scenario where the Bulls do have a best case scenario season, whatever that, you know, is, if that's 45 wins and a a competitive first round series, whatever, whatever. But you would imagine that if they wanted to keep that going, you would have to bring DeMar DeRozan back. Um. what role would he play if you're if you're potentially trying to re-sign him and you have to bring back Pat, who's going to be expensive as well? So you, you would have all of that. Then you have Zach Levine's deal. Then you still have Vooch's deal. I mean, that's a lot of it's a lot of salary, and we we know this team isn't going into the luxury tax or anything like that. So I mean, what what role does all of this play? And then you still have Lonzo Paul's deal too. So what what like what, what would you make of all of that? I mean, it's such a difficult question. Um, Right now, I think they're like a bit into the tax. Um, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I think before you even think about like cap holds for next year, you're like 12 million away from the, uh, from the cap. So obviously like if, if you want to extend DeMar, if you want to extend Patrick and you, you know, you still have Julian Phillips and, Corey Craig, Obson, and Dylan Terry are on like some smaller deals. Like you still got to fill out the rest of your roster. It's like five right. or six more spots. Um, so even if you're getting veteran guys, now you're just like an older version of the same team with less depth. Uh, that's more expensive, and the players who are the most important, Demar and Zach and Vooch, are like on the other side of the aging bell curve. So so much of this, I think, hinges on does Patrick really take a step forward this year, and if not what, what direction do you want to go? And for me, it's like, I just don't see this team like deciding to overhaul things. Um, they've had plenty of opportunities. There were like five or six games below 500 at the trade deadline and they didn't do anything. They had a chance to try to work out a sign and trade with Vooch. They had a chance to just let him walk and, and find another option. Uh, I just think they want to compete and they're not ready to, 
to move on from this core. And maybe you're able to like wipe Lonzo's number next year and that gives you some breathing room. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's really tricky the way that they're going to have to handle this because not only is this group not a contender, they're too expensive to keep together, even if they were better, uh, if the goal is to stay out of the luxury tax. So maybe like ultimately it becomes a, a money question and somebody has to leave because of the aversion to the tax. Um, or maybe they finally go in, but they're still in just because they really don't want to bottom out again. And then they still, for some reason, believe in this group. And I'll be interested to see how money works out. I do, I do have one more pack question before we move on. It's something that Billy mentioned, um, in particular, when he had the ball, uh, when he was bringing up the court, he had kind of uh, pulled up for a mid-range. He, he did like he pulled up and he did a step back mid-range. And Billy said, you know, he would like to see Pat keep going downhill and getting to the paint and and and, and getting to the basket instead. And there was always obviously the conversation where you know should Pat take that mid-range shot? Should he not? Uh, like I'm basically okay with him pulling up if he's also shooting like six, five, six threes a game. But also my philosophy kind of is like, I feel like that mid-range, mid-range pull-up around that free throw line should be in your bag just in case to make you not so predictable to defend. Because I feel like like if a, if a player is, they know if the guy, if this guy is going to be driving in and he's only, when, he, when he's driving in, he's only going to be going to the basket. I feel like that makes it, easier for the other team to say, okay, well, I know how to kind of adjust to stop him from finishing at the basket. I don't know. Maybe I'm putting too much thought into that, but I feel like I'm okay with him sometimes pulling up in that mid-range uh, free throw line area. But what are your thoughts on that and what Billy said and all that? Um, so I'm just looking at the numbers now. Patrick took 40% of his shots from three, 40.9. He took 25.8% uh, of his shots at the rim. And the rest were between three feet and the three-point line. So um, over thirty-two, over thirty-three percent of his shots came between, like basically long or short twos, um, and only twenty-five percent at the rim. And I think that's really the area that you know Billy's focused on. He he said this yesterday. Was like, I'm not saying eliminate those shots. Like he feels comfortable with that. Patrick has told me he feels really comfortable in that area, and he wants to keep working on that. But it's more about like, okay, can you also get all the way downhill and like either try to get fouled, try to go up over the top and dunk it, or try to draw help and then spray it out? Um, I just think I, I 100% agree with you uh, that th that shot is an important one, um, especially like in half-court offense in the playoffs when things slow down. You need to have that. Um, but one, the Bulls like aren't in a position where they are like – playing playoff basketball throughout the course of the season. Like they need to get there first. And I think Patrick shooting more threes and shots at the rim and free throws is going to, is going to help them get there. Um, but hundred percent agree with you that like that shouldn't be gone. And, and Billy said that too, like he's not trying to eliminate those. It's more just like, are there opportunities within those drives where you're just pulling up because you've got that shot there. And really you could put your shoulder through a guy's chest and, and get all the way to the rim. And I think he just wants to maximize those rather than eliminate the mid-rangers, if that distinction makes sense. It's the same thing I have with Zach. Like, I don't mind when he pulls up sometimes for that, like I said, that free throw line area, uh, midi. But, like, the long twos where he's, like, just, like, a footer or so uh, in front of the three-point line. It's like, dude, just take a step back. It's two to three. <laughs> Absolutely. So, in in this preseason game, uh, let, let's see if you can like kind of like uh, douse this fire a little bit. Um, Daylon Terry didn't have the uh, the best game uh, against Milwaukee in in this preseason action, and I think we're kind of seeing uh, fans starting to press a little bit and wondering if maybe Daylon just isn't gonna be that type of that guy and by that guy i mean um like just not useful to the bulls long term um 
what what did you make what did you make of Daylon Terry's uh play in this preseason game? And is it a cause for concern or just one game doesn't really mean anything? But what do you, what do you make of it and what you could what we could realistically expect from him this season? It doesn't it's not cause for concern for me any more than summer league was. Like I think this is just kind of who Daylon Terry is until further notice. Um, unfortunately, because I think there's a lot of stuff he does really well. I love his activity. I love the way that he uh, defends the ball and gets into guys. Uh, I love the way he runs in transition. He's a great extra pass maker. His deflections are great. He's getting steals, blocking shots. Um, the problem is, like, it's really difficult to be a threat offensively if you aren't a good shooter, if you don't have good handles, and if you aren't strong enough to finish at the rim. Because if you are not a good shooter, your defender is going to sag off of you and not respect you. And if you're being sagged off of, then you have to either have really good handles or a really good mid-range shot to be able to make them pay for that. And so defenses are sagging off of him. He doesn't have the handles to be able to blow by um, or blow through defenders to be able to finish the rim. Um, So it's just like, it's hard to be productive if you just you can't take advantage of anything like Mm. the defense just doesn't have to worry about him at all and i think he's put a ton of work in on the jump shot um and it definitely like looks a little bit more comfortable but i wonder if there's just like some more holistic changes that need to take place because yeah i mean he, he did not play a lot last year i think people were frustrated with billy for that to me it was like billy saw that he wasn't ready and i think we saw that in summer league where you know he was kind of the primary guy and he was trying to score and it wasn't really working so now maybe you move him more into a a natural kind of connected piece with the second unit but like again if he's not really a threat offensively um how can he unlock those other tools that he's really good at how can you become a good connected passer if nobody's guarding you um i think that that stuff really is going to be important. I think ball handling in general is, is really important for guys like Patrick needs to work on that. You've seen the growth that Kobe was able to make in working on his, his handling. Um, if Dalen can't develop a handle and he can't develop a jump shot, it's just going to be really hard for him to get minutes. And so I felt like that during summer league, that was kind of my takeaway. So it's not any more cause for concern for me to see him struggle in this game as much as I hate to see it. Cause I, I really like Dalen. I, um, I love talking with him. He's like a great dude, very funny, very outgoing. And you you clearly see the work that he puts in. Um, but it's just, I think it's going to take more for him to really get to the point where he can carve out a role because right. it's like the skill-based stuff that's going to take a little bit longer to develop. Right. As far as vibes go, I I, I love Daylon. Like, like, I think me and Celine would talk about this. Just the, the type of teammate that he is from you know what we can see um the energy that he brings like it, it seems like just really infectious energy good positivity and i just like the idea of him as a player like we, we talked about that connected role and what he can do as a passer he can guard multiple positions like i i think there is such a really strong use for him on this roster potentially if he can pan out but as you said if the shot isn't there, if there if there isn't a handle, then it's going to be really hard to to stay on the floor in today's NBA for for that type of player. So I don't know. I, I'm rooting for him, and I, I I've said on like our past couple of shows that I hope that this is the season that, for better or worse, we can really have a really strong idea of what Daylon Terry is and. Right now, it sounds like it's not approaching the the right way, but uh, I'm still hoping that maybe at some point we get we get to see him uh, get some minutes. But if he's not ready, then I guess he's not ready. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting yeah. it. I I really am rooting for him, um, and I I think the work ethic and like the the amount of time he's putting into the skills that he knows he needs to work on is there. So I'm not like saying he. You can't do it. I'm just saying yeah. at this point in his development, it's it's difficult to get minutes for the reasons I mentioned. Yeah, right. You 
What were your thoughts about some of the other young guys uh, that you saw? I mean, they didn't get a lot of minutes, but they did get some burn. You got Julian Phillips got about nine minutes. Uh, Sanago got about eight minutes. You got Bedum, who got like five minutes run. I think that's towards like in pure more so garbage time than the second half was um, later in the fourth. Um, some of the stuff we've seen with Julian Phillips looks like he's fixed a lot of his mechanic issues with his base on how he was setting up his feet. Um, I'm actually wondering, like, if obviously it's it's tough to say who he would take in front of as far as rotation concerned, but like Bidum being an older player, he's kind of played professionally. Uh, granted, the league is not you know the same level as the NBA, but it is still professional basketball. He's he was playing overseas, um, and being older, and the Bulls lacking the shooting and the you know passing as far as like being that connecting connecting passer in the half court. I was wondering, like, do you, could you see maybe Bedum getting some minutes at some point this season? Yeah, just overall, like, what are your thoughts with some of the younger guys that you saw out there? Yeah, it was just like quick end of game minutes. So it was kind of hard to really put them in context, but Billy did go like, I think he played all 20 guys. Um, yeah. Jackson had that monster jam. Uh, Carly Jones struggled a bit. I think he's just, Carly is so skilled, but it's just, it's hard when you're that small in the NBA. Um, he's also a little bit older. I think he's like 26. So um, maybe like the upside isn't quite as much, but um Justin Lewis and, and Julian Phillips, I think, are they're guys that could I could see getting some burn in the regular season just because like they are big wings, they can defend. Um, ideally, they can get to a point where they're shooting the ball well, and like that's really valuable. Uh, Julian was the first, or maybe he was the second one of the third unit. He and Dylan kind of came in at the same time, um, and he like immediately got up a three point shot that ended up being an air ball, but like to your point, he really sped up that release and like got his feet set and it was like a bad pass. He kind of whipped his hips around and, and launched it. It was a bad miss, but like it kind of showed you that he's willing to shoot. Um, I think he was a little rattled after that, um, but then had sort of like a loose ball bounce to him and he had that dunk. So I think that kind of calmed his nerves a little bit, but he's obviously just like a super duper athlete. Um, and if he can develop a jump shot and, you know, he's young, the game seems like it's moving quick for him. Um, but at some point, I think he could play a role. Same with Justin Lewis, same kind of deal. Um, I think he's more of like a less of a springy version, more kind of like a bigger wing. Um, kind of reminds me of Jay Crowder. So maybe he could get some role. But the other guys, like the team, I think the shooting is there. He's he's a little bit smaller too. I think he's like 6'5". So I'm not sure uh, how much of a role will be there because the Bulls have so much depth in the backcourt. But if he's able to like slide up and guard threes and fours, now you're talking about a guy who can really shoot it, who has some athleticism, who has some experience. Yeah, maybe he can get into the rotation. Um, talked with him for a second. He seems really happy to be there, happy to get some shots up in a game. Um, but again, only five minutes. So we'll kind of see. But um, I like that Billy is just giving all these guys some look. And I wonder, like, as as the preseason goes on, if he'll like lean on Julian Phillips for more than 10 minutes in a game, will he give Bitim like 12 or 15 minutes in a game instead of five to kind of see what he looks like in not just like total garbage time. So uh, it's just, it's such a small sample to go on, but those are kind of some of the flashes that stood out. And then uh, Sonogo, I like, I think he's got, um, he, he gives Andre Drummond vibes a little bit, to be honest. Like he's a big burly dude. He's going to attack the offensive glass. He's a great rebounder. Does not like convert well on some of those offensive rebounds. Um, I think he was like two for five in that game, but, uh, and he's like a little small in terms of height. Like it's just, like he got blocked once. Um, if he kind of learns how to use his body a little bit more, he could be good too, but it's just like these end of bench kind of flyer types that you're just like looking for flashes in some of these preseason games. I'm not surprised with the finishing because that was kind of his uh his like strength, uh, a touch around the basket. So maybe that was maybe a little bit of nerves too, could have been played played into it. Yeah, I mean you also have to like realize these guys are even if they're like the elite of the elite athletes in college, like they're gonna be right, you know, 
it's not it's not like that in the NBA. Like Kobe's talked about this so much. Like he used to be, he was always the fastest guy on the court. Never had to rely on skill. He could just shoot and run up and down. And now everybody's as fast as him. He has to learn how to change pace. He has to learn how to facilitate. Um, and I think you're gonna it's you're gonna need more than one preseason garbage time game to to really develop some of these guys. Right. I'm I'm trying to hold in my excitement for Julian Fields because just the more that you see about him and you just continue to learn about him. Like I, I really like the pick and the, the, it's really encouraging that he, that he's seemingly fixed that, that base issue, I think with his jump shot, because otherwise I think the shot we've been talking about it, the shot mechanics are good to me, like look pretty solid. They, there's definitely a lot of potential there and he's such a long athlete made a clear defensive impact in college at Tennessee and, you know, we, he can guard multiple positions and he's just really springy, like just very, just quick, very quick hops. So there, there could definitely be something there. So, um, he, he's going to be exciting to, to follow, especially when he is in the, you know, in the G League at some points this season, but definitely interested to see him get more burn as we, as we continue to go in preseason. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's kind of what, at a certain, I mean, they're playing five preseason games. That's like too many. So at a certain yeah. point, our, our Zach and DeMar and Pooch can only play 15, 17 minutes a game. And are they going to even play all these games? So I wonder right. at some point if these guys are going to get unleashed a little bit. And that'll be interesting to see them in more like real game scenarios, even though the other teams are probably not going to be playing their best guys either. Right. How do you think Iowa's going to fit into the rotation? Um, I feel like... I don't know if you can tell I thought like if his shot looked a little more smoother and the release point. Um obviously that's gonna be the big question mark for him as far as the shooting is concerned, what he how he can provide uh quality offensive minutes. But yeah, how, what were your thoughts on Iowa's game and like how he will fit in as far as this season and rotation is concerned? It's been interesting to kind of hear his role in training camp. So the the team was broken up into four groups and from what it sounds like and what we kind of started to see a little bit in some of those bulls um, TV documentaries was that Kobe was running point guard with Zach Damar and Fooch and Patrick and that uh, Javon and I were sharing that second team and kind of co-point guarding. Um, I, the more I think about it, the more I talk to people about it. I don't think Javon Carter is a point guard. I think he's like a small three and D guy. Um, I don't think he's really somebody that's going to like facilitate at all. I'm not even sure he's going to get much um, in terms of just like bringing the ball up. So I, yeah, I don't really know how to view that as far as like his role. Like, I don't think he's going to be. Even with that second unit yesterday, like I was kind of the point guard of that group, not Javon. Um, so I think if Javon starts or, or does end up playing minutes with, with that big three, it's obviously going to be in more of an off-ball and point-of-attack role. Um, so all that to say, I do think there's scope for Io to kind of step in as the backup point guard. And it seems like Billy's interested in playing a 10-man rotation. So uh, as long as that's true he's gonna there's gonna be a role for him i mean he is one of the 10 guys right so it's just a matter of like if that rotation shrinks then you might start to wonder um but i I do think there's there's room for io to to kind of expand his game as a more of a point guard next to javon carter um and obviously he's he's got some great defensive instincts too so i think uh i was i was a little I'm not concerned, but like I was wondering what his role might look like after they re-signed him over the summer. And I think it it kind of is is coming into picture for me here about like just what he can be in this rotation, assuming Billy continues on with ten men. Yeah, that's that's just my thing. I'm I'm not sure how sustainable ten men is, but <laughs> we'll, we'll I mean we'll we'll see how long they can they can stay with it. So I mean they they kept him. So I mean maybe that's more incentive to stick with it as long as you can. Yeah. And um, again, I think that's what this preseason is for. He's not playing his best rotations. He's not, you know, cutting it down to an eight man unit for playoff games. Like he's trying to see what's, what's available to him, what's out there. And I think that's why you want to see IO maybe get some reps up. That's why you want to see 
Patrick in that role too. So I think, um, I think it's, if we have some of these same questions, 10 games into the regular season, then maybe start to get a little bit more concerned. But I think right now it's just about trying to figure out who's on the team and what can they offer. Yeah. Because I'll be, I'll be interested in how the rest of the preseason plays out, especially like you mentioned some game, how many more games of the big three are going to play? How many more games, uh, how many more minutes some of these guys will fit into rotation wise. And obviously maybe we'll see as the preseason wraps up, more of a ideal rotation that Billy wants to put out there. Maybe we'll see something like that as well. Uh, but Will, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this has been great. You're always being excellent insight. Uh, love listening to you on every platform that you're always on. Uh, I was pleased to give us any final thoughts you may have, and then also what people can look out for as far as any new articles that you're working on um, and where to follow you. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Um... Yeah, it's uh, I'm just I'm so glad that there's real basketball on to start covering. It's been a long summer doing our show every single day with uh, no big trades, no draft pick, no uh, deep playoff run. It's been kind of a long summer. So I'm excited to have some basketball games to react to and some film to dig through and some questions to ask uh, Billy and the players and all that. So um, all that to say, you can read everything I'm writing about. You can listen to our podcast. Uh, it's a CHGO Bulls podcast. You can find it on YouTube. You can find us at allchgo.com. And I'll be writing about the team um, and tweeting out all my articles and takes and video clips and all that. So you can follow me on the X machine at will underscore Gali. Nice. And I'll, uh, I'll be sure to tweet out this episode as soon as it comes out. It's been great talking to you guys. Yeah. 100%. Um, any final thoughts? Yeah, no, thank thank you to to Will to uh for, for joining us again and, and giving us his bulls insight. I always love uh just, just talking to him and he's just extremely knowledgeable about the game um and just contributes to a lot of this like we have a lot of like great coverage in this Bulls community and he's like one of the more prominent ones. So it's just always uh great to have these guys on the show to um you know tell us what they've been seeing and observing. So um I'm just excited like I said, I'm uh like Will said, I'm just excited that we have basketball to react to. It's just been it's been a hectic, uh, long hectic off season of uh, it. Just had a little bit of everything. There's been big trades. There's been Twitter follow or Twitter users predicting uh, big trades. There's been drama. Like it's just been the typical NBA stuff. So glad that we're actually going to get to see stuff happening, and glad that we can at least have some optimism about some things as well. Like I said, like with with Kobe, I was just really excited to see what he did in in this game and like he delivered so seeing seeing some of that with our young players like it's just good to have that feeling again with uh seeing some of our young talent make some strides so we'll see what they do in the next preseason game you know actually i remember one more question i wanted to ask will it was about zach um have you seen any difference from him as far as the demeanor just because obviously the this entire offseason there was constant rumors about the Bulls trying to trade him. And obviously with the Bulls trying to do different things offensively, it's going to be an adjustment, a minor adjustment in ways for him. Like, have, have you, has it been the same mosaic or has anyone even asked him about like those supposed trade rumors and what's his thoughts have been on that? Yeah, I haven't had a chance to talk to him about it, but um, I believe there was an article in ESPN, Jamal Collier had something with Zach talking about that. Um, so you can check that out. But um I think, I mean, basically the sentiment is like Zach's Zach's quote is like, I signed a five-year deal to be here. I'm being, I'm here until I'm not. So like it's out of my control. He's, he's kind of saying the right stuff. I haven't really noticed a change. I mean, I I'm around him a little bit. I wouldn't say I know him. Um, so it's hard to really say, but um, they just, they want to, they want to win games. I think that's, that's kind of the, the primary focus and and like I was kind of talking about in terms of buy-in like I think if if they're willing to buy in I think that in a lot of ways starts with Zach as well as Demar and Vooch they're willing to buy in and start to see that that can work I think everything else is just going to kind of go away because really it's it's all about like is is the thing working are they winning games and um I think obviously Zach's going to play a huge piece in that but um I I yeah I think 
that's that's really what's going to sort of put all that conversation to rest. Yeah, for sure. I, I like I always like the Zach. You know, as far as the what are bad reps he gets, he always keeps it professional, and he's never really been somebody to uh, to like seemingly. I don't know, tune out, but we'll see what happens uh, with as the season going on. Obviously, the buy-in is going to be important for sure for everyone involved, not only Zach. But yeah, that's a wrap for today's show. If you've missed any previous episodes, you can find us under the Barroom Network and on all major and minor podcast platforms. Thank you again to Will Gottlieb for joining us and to the listeners for tuning in. As always, for Edward Schuler and myself, till next time, Bulls fam. 